Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am honored to have Mark Pitstick on the show. Mark is an author, master's clinical psychologist, holistic chiropractic physician, frequent media guest, and webinar workshop teacher. He directs the Soul Phone Foundation, founded online and worldwide Greater Reality Living Groups, and conducts research for the Soul Phone Project. His goal is to help you know and show, no matter what is going on around you, that this earthly experience is a totally safe, meaningful, and magnificent adventure amidst forever. Welcome to the program, Mark. Thank you, Marla. My pleasure. Yeah, it's so, I'm so happy to have you here. I don't, I don't know if you know this, you probably didn't even know, but I met you at um, the Helping Parents Heal Conference, not like, not last year, but the year before. Yeah, briefly and attended one of your your, it was sort of like meditation workshops that you did there. It was really, um, really great. So I am so excited about this new book that you have written with Kata and Dr. Schwartz, um, The Big Picture of Life, because I just want to shout to the world that are young and especially are very young, right when they come into this world well they already know right because <laughs> they're closer to the source than than they are to here but that that life is is eternal and not to have to live in fear and so when i i found out you're writing this book um i was just so excited so just tell me a little bit about how um or why you and kata and dr schwartz decided to write it well uh first of all kata um is about 75 as is dr schwartz they both have uh -huh. a great interest in helping children uh, kind of has a dual master's degree in childhood education and counseling um, <clears throat> dr schwartz realizes as anyone does that it's the youth you know our hope lies in the youth and especially if we can uh, connect with these children before they totally forget um, where they came from could make a big difference. For me, my connection with children really started up uh, when I was working in hospitals in my 19, 20 years old uh, and being around little children as they died and just drove me to my knees. Like what, what kind of world, you know, what kind of God? Uh, so it was instrumental in everything I've done since, all the searching I've done. Beautiful. So when you were working in the hospital, did you find that, 
was um, a social worker or anybody there to help the child try to understand what was going on in that sense, or it was just not really, really talked about? Well, these are emergency situations. I was a respiratory oh, therapist part-time okay. as I went through pre-med. And uh, so these would be children who were hit by cars or uh, oh, cases oh. abused to death. So they weren't right. conscious. Right, right. Wow. Well, I know in the book, um, you talk about it's so important for children to understand right from the beginning that they're unique, valuable, and loved. And if only all of our young ones could truly embrace this in their hearts, because as wonderful as that is to say, many times, you know, children, they are given we like we like the parts of them that we like right someone explained it once to me that that they called it something i can't remember but a psychologist that we pick out those point those things that we like about the child and then they make themselves that part and all the rest of it is kind of stuffed down so um tell me what you think how the world would be a better place if we not only sincerely, you know, taught these kids that unique, valuable, and love, but also that life is eternal. Well, first of all, for your uh, listeners, we should say that, you know, I've been working with Dr. Schwartz now for four years, and yes. in the last year, we have definitively demonstrated scientifically that life continues after bodily death. Now, that's been the first time that statement could be made accurately and responsibly based on multicentered, repeated, double-blind journal-published studies, all of which required to be truly scientific evidence. <clears throat> so uh, that, that's one really important thing. The second part of this before I answer is we've had clinical evidence up to now, primarily from near-death experiences, uh, where people come back and almost always say, we each are one with the one and part of source right now. We each are important parts of life. We're like threads in a giant tapestry. We're all interconnected, but we each are individually important and sacred. Uh, so with that background now of strong clinical and scientific evidence, we can make that statement. So it's not just a a lofty, uh, beautiful thought, right. something to tell a kid, it's describing the nature of reality, that we each are wise, infinite, special, powerful beings. It's getting to know more who we are. As you know, so much of the emphasis on Earth is with the outer shell. And it turns out that that outer shell, that human form, what we call in the children's book, the Earth suit, uh, is much less than 1% of who and what we are. The rest, the intelligence, the energy, the light, the love, the preferences, sense of humor, everything else continues on in the next form of forever. Yes. Tell, um, could you share with the listeners, uh, you know, I told a little bit about your background, but Dr. Schwartz's background, because it's very impressive also. Yeah, well, first of all, he had uh, two near-death experiences when he was a child. And so I think that certainly shaped uh, his views, but he's a certified genius, uh, Cornell undergrad, Harvard master's and PhD, Harvard professor for five years, tenured Yale professor, 
he was one of a handful of people who stirred the field of behavioral medicine, for example. I mean, just, I've been working with him, like I said, over four years now. And every once in a while, I'm like, what? You were in on that too? Uh, <laughs> uh, 20 years ago, he went to the University of Arizona. He wanted to do more um, out there research than places like Harvard and Yale uh, would agree to. And he wanted to study the question of survival of consciousness. And he's been doing that ever since, first of all, with medium studies, uh, which are described in his book, uh, The Afterlife Experiments. Uh, but then the last 12 years, developing technology to measure the presence of what we call post-material persons. That's the most accurate term we can think of because um, those who have passed on aren't spirits. They're not gauzy, you know, they're not like Casper the Friendly Ghost flying around. They are just as physical as we or can be. Uh, they can multilocate. They are still people. And so we use the term post-material person. So his, the technology then has demonstrated the presence of them and their ability to communicate as much as our technology will allow. Right. And you say that they're still people. They're still themselves. I mean, personality-wise and if they're funny or, you know, whatever that may be, that, that comes out also, correct? Yes. And, you know, different cultures recognize this. Uh, yes. Native Americans, for example, they knew so much. They, they used analogies like, it's just like a snake sheds its skin. That's really right. how inconsequential. Um, so uh, such a min minor part of who and what we are, this physical body is. So, yeah, to answer your earlier question, as more and more, for example, this weekend we had two of our grandkids over. We were blessed with four. This was Stella and John, seven and nine, and I gave them each a copy of the book. It was the first time we had seen them in six weeks because of the virus. And uh, so I gave them the book, and I said, this has all the evidence that life continues after your body dies. And little Johnny, seven, he says, I know, I know. After your body dies, you just go into a different body. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. <laughs> so, but he's also one who um, picked up from the very beginning uh, meditation, yoga. You know, we do ohms in the morning and some yoga oh. and chanting. Uh, so they've been able to stay uh, awake, uh, at least partially. And yeah, what will our world be like as more and more children do this? Right. And how do you think, I, I think this book is one of the first, and it's such a well-written book. What are the other things that you, the next steps in getting this? I know I'm working on a children's book right now to, to talk about, to teach about, about this topic. It's a very <laughs> the most important topic of all, right? And what are your next steps in reaching children? Well, I'm meeting this Friday with a woman who started a group uh, called Charm um, in Arizona to help children. And uh, also meeting with right after, the book's only been out a few weeks. Yes, but yes. Immediately, we got an email back from a school teacher. She said, oh, my God, I've been waiting for this book. This is so needed. I would uh, love to work with you to create online classes for kids. Um, so we're, you know, we are so busy right now with the Soul Phone Project. Yes. But once we have done the official re reveal, right now we're starting what are called multi-center studies 
to replicate what we found uh, with three universities, an institute, and private labs of a scientist and a physician. Once we've done that, um, then we'll do the official reveal, start doing public demonstrations. And then once that's out, you know, all these different books, for example, Greater Rowdy Living that Dr. Schwartz and I wrote, this book, The Big Picture of Life, I mean, they'll, um, they'll be very visible. So we're not so focused on uh, promoting right now. Right. Well, that's understandable. I knew, um, I know that you had originally talked about starting the going from state to state and doing some of the seed project um, in February or March, but I'm assuming that didn't happen because of everything. Correct. Um, it was actually not due to the virus, but it was a blessing that we canceled um, right. beforehand. And, and I'll just give the short version. We were getting ready to do, as you say, uh, 15 city tours where we would publicly demonstrate this device. However, we were using what's called the plasma globe switch, which these post-material persons would touch. I don't know if you've ever been around a plasma globe, but it emits these colored lights. It's actually yes. an invention of Tesla, Tesla coil. And it was a way to demonstrate their presence, measure their energy, show it in graphs and light, increase light and so on, uh, versus a no participant control, you know, nobody touching it. Uh, however, the plasma globe, as amazing as it was, required about 25 minutes of interaction before it could give an answer. Um, and we, the reason we changed was one of our electrical engineers, we have a couple part-time on the, uh, the project. This guy is a 30-year professor at Berkeley in electrical yes. engineering. And he came through with a beautiful device. He's calling MicroSense, already getting patents on it, which decreases background noise because it's technology we're using to capture the presence of these post-material persons is so sensitive that it picks up things like uh, 110 voltage and um, fluorescent lights and cell phone towers and so on. Well, his device uh, minimizes a lot of that so we can capture the presence, the signal of quote spirit. And so with then the next device, much closer, the electronic soul switch we're calling it, we decided to postpone the tour and wait till we could use the electronic soul switch, which will give us instantaneous yes, no's, and within seconds. Right, right. And for, for my listeners who are um, somewhat lost, um, <laughs> Dr. Pitstick and Dr. Schwartz, are, um, their project is called The Soul Phone, and it's about communicating with the afterlife. And if you want to learn more about that, it's soulphone.com, correct? Dot org. Dot org. Okay, we may need to do another interview about that because it's, it's so important what you're doing. So you talk about the new golden rule, how that's important for our, our very young to, to know. Can you just tell us what that is? Sure. I was blessed, Marla, with um, periodic clear audience, uh, especially in when I would attend church. I grew up Lutheran as a kid. And I'd always sit by the big stained glass windows. I just loved those. And the sunlight would come through during the service. And uh, I think it put me in a bit of a reverie. 
And so over time, I probably had about a dozen insights about um, the nature of heaven and there's really no such thing as a fire, eternal hell, etc. Well, one of these was the golden rule. You know, I heard um, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And I thought, well, that's fairly egotistical, <laughs> you know. Right, right. That is. What if others, you say that. Yeah, what if others <laughs> don't want to be treated the way I want to be treated? Right. Uh, so I played with those words over the years and then came up with do unto others as they would have done to them, since we're each unique and different. Love that. And, you know, I always think about the life review from a very, if we can teach our young from the very beginning about the life review, because I know ever since I've learned about it, we've talked about it quite a bit on the show. Um, I even walk differently in life, you know, when I come upon people just realizing that how I, my actions make them feel, it's just so incredibly important. So I think that's really important too. So, you know, I was thinking about you last night because I um, was watching the movie again, Dead Poet Society. And I was watching when he, when Robin Williams brings all these young people over to look at old photographs of past students. And he starts whispering, carpe diem, carpe diem, seize the moment, seize the moment. And I feel like that that's what we're trying to shout to the world, you know, that are young, they need to seize the moment to really wake up and recognize what's really meaningful in this life. And that it is a school to learn and not just be like everyone else, be really unique. And so I want to talk a little bit about in the book, you give some exercises, which I really love. And you talk about what it's important for children to think about what their gifts are. Can you speak on that a little bit? Because it's so profound because it's not about, you know, how fast you can say your multiplication problems. It's other really important things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are some different, you know, each one of us contributed different parts of the book, and that's actually from mine. And um, listeners, if they want to take the test themselves, can visit my website, soulproof.com. And one of the articles is identifying fulfilling your missions. So there are some basic questions I've collected. You know, I've been doing this for decades, and the basic questions that help a person identify their gifts. For example, what do you love to do? What would you do if um, money weren't an issue? Uh, what comes easily to you? What did you? What are your dreams? You know, if you could do anything, what would that be? And different questions like that. And we encourage kids to sit, or kids of any age, sit, breathe quietly, yes. get centered, and then consider each one of those questions and what answers pop up or float in. And so that's a good way to get in touch with that inner essence, that inner wisdom. Yes. I also love the one that you say, what gives you goosebumps or what brings tears to your eyes? Yes. I don't remember ever being asked that as, as a young person. Yeah. These are signs of chakra activation, uh, you know, pressure over your heart, four chakra, a lump in your throat, six tears in your eyes. Uh, goosebumps, yeah, tingling, all signs of 
you know, different people have signs, but I've found in working with many people over the years that those are common signs when people are on the right path with it, when they're in yeah. touch with their inner self. Right, right. And I know you have greater reality living groups um, around the United States. And have you given any thought about maybe starting something with children? That's a great question. Uh, first of all, the, the greater reality living groups, as you say, are groups. Um, we have some, it got slowed down, of course, by the virus, mm -hmm. uh, but we're going to start online groups soon. And those exist to help people learn the evidence, all the clinical scientific evidence, but also to internalize that great news. You know, there's a difference between a superficial, dry intellectual knowing and a deep internalized knowing that gets us through no matter what happens. And so um, for children, that's a wonderful idea. I'm sure there will be many spinoffs from this. And right. so, um, yeah, I think you're the first one that brought up the idea though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to be involved. I mean, it would be so great to intertwine it with a yoga class or, you know, a little minute, well, the meditation would go with the yoga and some chanting. And I don't know, I've just visualized this for, I'm getting goosebumps right now. I've just visualized this um, for a long time because, because we just need to, to really start young on this. Um, so I know that you have also, you also say to, in your book, um, the big picture of life, Chapter 11 talks about creating the greatest life you have envisioned. And there's so much anxiety and depression today with our youth and our world. Um, how do you think this knowledge of the afterlife and also some of these exercises, like thinking about things that give you goosebumps or brings tears to your eyes or in creating the greatest life you envision, how do you think that this knowledge will help are you today navigate this world a little bit, maybe a little bit easier? Well, that's a wonderful question. Thank you for asking it. The, <clears throat> I think it's a multifaceted path that needs to be taken for children. First of all, we need to address things like nutritional deficiencies and yes, the of commonality of chemicals and heavy metals. Those are wiping kids out. So unless we address those, I'm not sure that any amount of teaching positivity can help. Uh, so again, on my website, soulproof.com, there's a article called uh, Common so Holistic Solutions for Common Mental Problems. Um, in, our, in Ohio, in Columbus, they're building this huge, huge building, a whole hospital for children's behavioral problems. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? You know, and things like autism and ADD and ADHD, which rarely, if at all, existed 50 years ago. So we've got to address the underlying cause of this. Pumping these kids with 82 vaccines by the time they start school, it's, it's shameful uh, what yes. passes for health care and these little ones. Uh, so that's the first thing. But yeah, secondly, you know, religion's done a horrible job for the most part in conveying divine principles and eternal uh, teachings. And so we need to do a better job on that. And that's why we hope that kids will resonate this 
with this more than versus what some of them have been taught. Um, right. This is in line with some of the teachings, for example, unity, uh, Unitarian Universalist, yeah. religious science, science of mind, Sarah living like that. Also, some of the the more um, esoteric or liberal branches, different religions. Um, and so that's that's another thing. But we started off the show with the biggest, which is knowing who we are and knowing how special we are. And we are part of source right now. And the more we know that, the more we are centered and impervious, really. Um, you know, just like the different, like the Bible teaches, we have our house built on granite, not shifting sand. Yes. I interviewed um, Reverend Bill McDonald the other day, and he was saying that Jesus had so many wonderful, you know, things to say, but then Christianity came in in and just kind of screwed up the whole thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> I sort of, uh, sort of agree with that. But yeah, I agree. And, and you have to start with the parents, you know, or the caregiver, you know, the parents obviously are the caregivers because they need to, they need to believe too. I work some in Ethiopia. I have a nonprofit there and I know one thing and speaking of, to listeners, just what, what they can possibly do. I'd like to get your opinion on this. Um, I work in a very poor village where there is a, a school there for the orphans in the community. Now they are, they do live with either other family members or, you know, they're nutritionally sound and, and all of that sort of thing. So I go in, I call it my love project. Um, so I went in and one day, and, and they have kids all the way up to 17 and then little ones. And I did an affirmation circle. And Mark, I couldn't believe what I, of course it had to be, um, some of them know English, but it had to be translated. These 16 and seven year olds, 17 year olds, as they went around the circle and said positive things about him, I'm specifically thinking of someone, um, first of all, he was so nervous, like we all are, but it was one of the most beautiful moments of my life for these children to sit and listen to others say wonderful things about them. So what do you think about, um, how would you think about including that? Like if you did some sort of a, a group with children, do you think that's a positive thing as a psychologist? Oh, of course. Yeah. I specialize in group therapy as a clinical psychologist. So it'd be a wonderful thing to work with kids do some right. of the breathing exercises, some of the chants, sing positive songs, share their stories. Yeah, positive affirmations. I mean, <laughs> all you had to do is say greater reality living groups for kids. And my mind's just like, okay. <laughs> I'm excited. Like, puppetry. We could use puppetry. I love puppetry. I use that in Ethiopia. Another too. one, when you say, um, you know, Ethiopia is honoring and learning from the individual cultures because so many cultures had such wise teachings you know uh, that's that's part of my uh, approach is to share these from around the world and to, so yeah. to find out from the elders what are some of your original teachings share those and honor um their own culture you know versus we're going to come in and share all this great news with you they, it's probably right there in their roots 
Oh, absolutely. I am passionate also about indigenous cultures and I am actually doing a shamanic apprenticeship right now. Just started and it didn't really start because of the COVID. We had an online thing, but it's amazing how when you get into shamanic journeys and that world, and I've also done a series, I'm doing a series on plant medicine, which is something that's very intriguing to me, but how they, they've known all of this for so long, you know, it's just part of their culture, mystics, mysticism, the afterlife <laughs> connecting. And I'm so excited you're doing that because I think, I think it's coming back. People seem to be, becoming more interested in exploring that, don't you think? Sure. Yeah, I'm reminded of a quote in my book, Soul Proof by Black Elk. And uh, near yes. the end of his life, he would be uh, down the ground, crawling around, playing with the children. I mean, here's this great elder of the Sioux Nation. And they uh, said, why do you do that? And he said, we have much in common, the children and I. They have just come from the great mystery, and I am about to return. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, well, that will go in the show notes, and that will go on my Instagram post probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, we need to wrap it up, but what have been the greatest lessons your, I'm going to say, grandchildren have taught you? Hmm. Oh boy, there's so many. Yeah, to uh, to have fun, to um, to stop and have fun and play. The other day we played soccer, we played basketball, we played baseball, we rode around on the tractor. You know, it was just like one thing after another: pillow fights, karate monster. You know, uh. and just to remember to take time and to enjoy uh, the fullness of life. Uh, I know one time we had a birthday party for Stella and we blew out the candles and then everyone went about their business. But she was looking up in the air like that. I said, what are you looking at, Stella? And she said, look how beautiful that smoke is in the light. And uh, yeah, it's right there for all us to see, but she's the only one focused on it. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's no big secret being in the now more. Yeah. Like you sitting at that stained glass window when you were a little boy. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could take a walk with your five-year-old self, what would you say? Five-year-old. Hmm. I would say um, that which you're remembering is accurate. When I was six years old, my parents showed me a beautiful sunset and I told them it reminded me of God. And so I was the kid that was always asking questions and wondering and how come. So I would say, Mark, you were, you were remembering. Thank you for remembering enough to plant the seeds to allow me to do what I'm doing now. Wow. Yeah, because it's not easy. It's not easy remembering. It's not easy. Sometimes when I am meditating or hiking, I just ask, just please help me remember more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's just been an honor to be with you today. And if people want to find you or find out more about, about your work, where would they, where would they go? 
three websites. We'd mentioned two of them. And first of all, more about the Soul Phone Project at soulphone.org. Second, my personal website, soulproof.com, with 60-some free articles, radio shows I did with Wayne Dyer and Bernie Siegel and Brian Weiss and Michael Newton Mm -hmm. and others, all free. Uh, and then greaterrealityliving.com, talking about the, the concept, what is the greater reality being all that exists, uh, but our senses only perceive less than 1% of that, greater reality living, inviting people to consider how would they live if they really knew their eternal beings, and then more about the groups, how you could start a group in your own area or attend the online ones. The Greater Reality Living Groups. Yeah, greaterrealityliving.com. Great. Well, thank you so much, Mark. And hopefully I'll see you at the next, one of the next conferences that that comes up. And you have a great day. Well, thank you for what you're doing, Marla. Take care. Okay, you too. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.